Welcome to 5 to Thrive, five strategies to equip and empower educators, parents, and students to thrive. And here are your hosts, Dr. Rhoda and Professor Marty. I wanted to begin with a quick note of thanks to you, the listener. Dr. Rhoda and I really appreciate your comments and feedbacks. Uh, keep them coming. They have led to so many meaningful conversations. It is always amazing to Dr. Rhoda and I how, how the Lord uses this these topics and continues the conversation. Uh, for those of you who are new to the podcast, or you know, if you're a longtime listener, just know that you can sign up anytime to receive the show notes. Just click on show notes, and each week you'll receive show notes and questions to help continue the conversation, be it in a PLC, your home, or if you're like me, often in a coffee shop. Today's selected topic is when to use rewards and when not to. And it certainly is a timely topic for both teachers and for parents. You know, reward systems are all around us. If you're an educator in this area, you may be familiar with the reward system class dojo. Uh, it's a classroom app with a gaming type feel, which a lot of students really seem to like. Uh, a teacher walks around with a tablet and notes the student's behavior and there's visible and audio feedback. So that's used pre-K through elementary, middle school. But if you go to the other extreme, high school, according to the paper down in Tampa Bay for the past eight years, uh, if you're a senior in the public high school and you have perfect attendance, you are in a lottery and you can win a brand new car. Yikes. Yikes. Brand new car. As a senior. Nice. I know. I think nice. I was 30-something before I had my first brand new car. Let's not go there, right? <laughs> Certainly when we talk about reward systems, a lot of questions arise. And as always, Dr. Rhoda here is here to, and has answers. So, so to begin with, uh, Dr. Rhoda, would you be willing to take us a step back and share with us uh, your line of thought with rewards. Yes. So as you mentioned, Professor Marty, the reward system is all around us. And the scientific theory behind rewards is behaviorism. So the underlying foundation in behaviorism, the, the primary thought is if we can shape the environment, we can shape a person's behavior. So animal trainers use rewards all the time. You probably did this if you've ever trained your dog, right? They sit and they get a treat. And eventually they'll sit without getting the treat, but that's how you get them to do it. My cat, when she hears a can opener going, she comes running, whether it's tuna or cat food or vegetables, right? She's she's trained. The orcas and the dolphins, if you've ever been to SeaWorld, they do their tricks so that they're gonna get some fish, right? We've trained, we've used behaviorism to, to train animals. And we've also used behaviorism throughout society. In classrooms, do what you're supposed to do and something good follows. So we go to work, we get a paycheck. We clean our bedroom, we get an allowance. We do our homework and study for the test, we get a good grade. Rewards are there to motivate us to do stuff. But is it possible that rewards can also hurt us in certain situations? So you've probably heard of the terms intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. So so let's let's just define those a, a little bit more. Uh, if you're talking about extrinsic motivation, uh, extrinsic motivation means the motivator comes from so, something outside of us. In, in other words, a, an external reward. So that paycheck, right? We mm -hmm. go to work, we get a paycheck. We didn't, that's not coming from inside us, that's something outside of us motivating us. Right, okay? right. And then on the other hand, intrinsic, we are internally motivated to do something. So it's not the prize, it's 
inside you have the motivation to do it. So you're going to work because you get a paycheck, but really that's not your primary motivation. You're going because of your sense of purpose, calling, duty, you make your difference in the world, and you get this feeling inside of you that's good. That'd be an example of the intrinsic. Really big difference. Yeah. And ideally it's it's right. both with work. Right. Right. Now, when I wake up, I say, I am going to work. And as a side note, I'll get a paycheck. <laughs> right. All right. Your wife says, yippee. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah. so when we're talking about this, yeah, how, how does that play out then, uh, par- particularly with, uh, yeah, how do we know if, the, I mean, everybody shows up to work. Right. How do we know if they're showing up intrinsically to a degree or extrinsically? Yeah. So Gallup, uh, they're the people who do all that polling. They've done some reports on this, on how engaged people are when they're at work or disengaged they are at work. And a lot of it comes down to if you have a sense of purpose, you're very engaged. If you don't have a sense of purpose, you're more disengaged. So they're saying you want to be intrinsically motivated and have people in your work that are intrinsically motivated, have your students intrinsically motivated. But what's challenging about this is it's different for different people. What is intrinsically motivation for one isn't necessarily for another. So let's just think through some of those possible scenarios. Some people may go to the gym because they may get a break on their insurance if they utilize a membership. And others go because they like the way it makes them feel when they go to the gym, right? Mm -hmm. Some students may read from a novel because it was assigned and there's gonna be a quiz tomorrow, extrinsic. Some may read it because they love reading and they're curious about the plot and what's going to happen to these characters. That's intrinsic. Could be the same book, two different students, one's extrinsically motivated, one's intrinsically motivated. Okay, so here again, you have to know your students, relationship, relationship, relationship. One person may drive the speed limit because they fear getting a ticket and the fine and the points that go with that ticket. Another person may be driving the speed limit because he is driving his wife and newborn child home from the hospital. He's intrinsically motivated to obey the speed limit. Now, some people think that extrinsic motivation, things from the outside that motivate us, are bad. And that all good motivation should be intrinsic. It should be that altruistic, I want to do this because of how it makes me feel. I can't say I always necessarily agree with this. So, so would you say, you know, oftentimes in education, we talk about differentiated instruction, mm-hmm. different ways to, to, to meet the learner. Does that play out as well in motivation? Is there differentiated motivation? (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. In fact, I would say all motivation is differentiated. It varies from person to person. And so here again, you have to know your learner and what's going to motivate them. Some kids will want to, I'm trying to think of an example off the top of my head, keep their desk clean because they like a clean desk. And other people, other students, you know, they'll clean up their desk because they want to hurry up and get out to recess. Right, which would be extrinsic. So there again, you have to know your students. And we're going to talk about how you switch people here in just a moment. But when I just think about intrinsic and extrinsic, and is one better than the other? Is one good? Is one bad? As a follower of Jesus, I always try to look at theories, philosophies through my lens of scripture and what the Bible tells me, because that's my true north. That's my compass that that never changes. And so I think, what does God use with us? Does he use intrinsic motivation or does he use extrinsic motivation? Now, I'm, I'm not a theologian, but as I ponder this and think about it, I think he uses both, mm-hmm. right? So we have the Ten Commandments, which these are God's expectations, do this or go to hell. <laughs> Pretty extrinsic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then in the New Testament, Jesus came, he fulfilled all of that law. We no longer have to fulfill it. He did it for us. And now we do it out of love for him because of what he's done for us. 
we're motivated to love him and to love others, to serve him and to serve others. So that would be internally motivated, which would be intrinsic motivation. So if God uses both intrinsic and extrinsic with us, then I don't think that necessarily uh, there's one that's always right or wrong. What I have found to be true, and this is my own little theory, I haven't done research on this, this is just my my personal thoughts and beliefs and opinions after watching students, which to me are the greatest textbook. Mm-hmm. You know, I learn from Absolutely. my learners. Um, as I watch students and as I watch people and human behavior and as I try different things and see what works and what doesn't work, what I have found is extrinsic motivation is really good to get behavior started. And then hopefully as they do that behavior, they see the payoff and eventually it moves to intrinsic. So if we just keep it in the realm of Christianity, very few people I think start going to church for the right reason. Typically you start going to church because your parents mm-hmm. make you or your students are singing. Your students, like that. yep. Mm-hmm. Your, your boyfriend or girlfriend invited you and you're going with their family. Uh, a friend invited you and you want to spend time with that friend. And then eventually as you get there, you say the payoff and wow, this is really good. I, I like this peace. I like this joy. This is something I want to do. Then you're intrinsically motivated, right? I think about homework. In the beginning, you might have some sort of rewards for kids in doing their homework, but eventually they like the feeling success breeds success. I like gaining knowledge. I like doing my best. I like being faithful. I like having my stuff turned in on time. I like doing things to the best of my ability. It makes me feel good. That's then intrinsically motivated. So you're still getting a grade. That's not the reason you're doing it necessarily. I think you could, it's like this spectrum and you can kind of switch from one end to the other. But extrinsic often gets us going. Going to the gym. Maybe originally you are going to the gym because you get a break on your insurance. But then as you go, you get stronger. You feel your posture get better. You make some friends there. It's it, You get a good feeling from going. And now you're going because it feels good. You want to do it. You don't want to miss it. So, so listeners, just as you ponder these examples, think in your own lives. What were some examples where you started something and it was primarily based on extrinsic? And then over time, you said, wow, yeah, I really like this. And it became more and more intrinsic. Yeah. We, yeah. we all have examples. Yes, exactly. But here's the crux. When I said, you know what, we talked about this podcast is called When to Use Rewards and When Not to. Here's some research that a lot of people aren't aware of that I think is really, really important. Research suggests that we should only use rewards when we need to extrinsically motivate. If we use rewards for someone who is already intrinsically motivated, it can actually damage their motivation. Can you say that one more time? Absolutely. Because it's it, so really, it really, really is important. We want to only use rewards when we need to extrinsically motivate. When someone isn't in, intrinsically motivated, we use rewards to get them going. But if we use rewards for someone who's already intrinsically motivated, it can actually damage that motivation. So let's think of an example of this. Do you guys remember back? I used to work at Pizza Hut. That was my job in college. And these kids would come in with their family and they'd be so very happy and proud. The book at pizza, right? Yes, they were getting their I little remember those days. Personal yes. pan pizza. So that was a lot of fun. You didn't have to share it. <laughs> Your own pizza. You, um, you read a certain number of books and you would get rewarded with this free pizza. That works very, very well for kids that don't really care to read too much. And that will get them reading so that they can get that reward. However, we have found that students who already love reading, it can actually hurt their love of reading because now they only want to read if there's something in it for them. What's in it for me? Can I get something out of it? I only want to read if I'm going to get some rewards, some points, something. It can hurt their love for reading. Now, if you take this to heart as a teacher, 
think about how we roll out our reward systems mm -hmm. or token economy or whatever mm -hmm. term you want to use. Mm -hmm. And this really is making me and hopefully others think, wait a second, maybe we need to reflect back on where our students at and then approach the rewards from vastly different lenses depending on where the student is at. There's one lesson I've learned in being a teacher for a long time now. People are complicated. People are messy. And as soon as we think we've got one system that's going to serve everybody, you're letting some kids down. Mm -hmm. We have to know each individual learner. We have to get to know them, to know how to differentiate instruction for them, how to, how to, and also how to motivate them. And what mo motivates one student isn't going to motivate another student necessarily. And so, and that's where being an expert comes in. You're the expert, whether you're the parent, if you're the parent, you're the pro, you're the expert on that kid. You know him better than anybody else. If you're the teacher, you're the second best expert. You know that kid, you know, and, and how do I help this child that's in front of me to develop to his or her full God-given potential? It's going to be different than my, my next born child. And it's going to be different than the kids sitting in the desk next to them. And that's why teaching never gets boring. <laughs> and, and, and that's also why there is always a need for teachers and educators, because certainly with technology as it continues to evolve and, and the integration of AI into to systems, that certainly it has value. Right. But at the heart of the matter, only you through your prompting and talking and professional relationships and assessment can determine really what is the best fit for each student or, or, or child. Yeah, teaching is truly both an art and a science. And the art of it is in those relationships. Mm -hmm. That's where the real beauty can happen. So in summary, as parents and educators, we need to understand someone's motivation. Are they intrinsically motivated to do this task or extrinsically? And if they do not yet do it for the love of doing it, a reward system may be a nice way to get them started. But once it transitions over into intrinsic motivation, where they're enjoying doing it for the sake of doing it or the feeling they get, then you want to consider tapering off the rewards. And if they already love doing it, don't introduce rewards. Allow them to keep doing it for the love of doing it. But here's the biggie. Sometimes we want to have an even playing field. You know, I'm giving this kid a reward for this and not this. Find something that each kid can work on and grow on and reward them in that area. It's not going to be the same for every single kid. For some, they're going to get a reward for keeping their desk clean. For some, they're going to get a reward for having their homework done on time. For some, they're going to get a reward for coming in from recess in an orderly fashion. You know, you're mm -hmm. going to find the different things for different kids. And I'm not saying it's easy, but most good things aren't. Most good things aren't. And most things, uh, consistency and persistency, and in this case, just ongoing, continual assessment and changing. So the reward system at the start of the year is going to be vastly different by the end of the year. Our goal in Five to Thrive is to equip and support educators and parents as they help each child develop to his or her full God-given potentials. So here are five key takeaways to ponder throughout the week. Number one, strive to understand your student or your child's motivation, where they're at. Number two, if you believe they're intrinsically motivated, you don't need to give them a reward. In fact, it's better not to. If you believe they're extrinsic, consider starting with rewards and then tapering those rewards off as they slowly grow 
to become more intrinsic. And number five, keep it simple. When we look at different students and different rewards, it can easily become overwhelming. Just pick a few items to work on and slowly add to them as you go on. Thanks for taking the time to learn with us. Let us know how you're doing. If you have questions, challenges, or successes you want to share, please let us know through the comment section of our website. May your week be blessed.